Good morning. I'm Rob Nolan, and I'll be reading the last verse of Jonah chapter 1, and then all of Jonah chapter 2. I think I'll just read it off the screen so I don't need my glasses. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless Idols turn away from God, a love for them, from God's love for them. (laughs) But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Father God, we thank you that your word is powerful and effective that it changes hearts and lives, and we pray that it would change our hearts and our lives this morning. Please, would you help me to speak clearly and to speak what is from you. In your name, amen. Jonah was a prophet. He was a prophet called by God, and that means that his job was to take God's message wherever God wanted his message to be taken. So, when the Lord told Jonah, get up, go up to Nineveh, it wasn't a suggestion, it was a command. But, Jonah knew that the Ninevites were nasty. They were nastivites. Um, <laughs> they were bullies. They were known for picking fights and for being cruel to all the people around them. In fact, they basically did everything that God said not to do, and they didn't do anything that God said to do. And Jonah knew that the way they were behaving would eventually earn them God's punishment. And that is exactly what he wanted. Have you ever been at uh, school, if you remember your school days, and you watch quietly as somebody in class does something naughty, and you hope that the teacher is going to come in uh, and catch them in the middle of it, maybe if you don't like that person. If you do like it, you hope they'll get away with them. But if you don't like it, you want them to get caught. Well, that's what Jonah wants. That's what Jonah wants for the Ninevites. Jonah knew that sin deserves punishment. It's only just And he wants God to destroy the bullies. But when God told him to take a message to Nineveh, Jonah got worried. Why would God want to speak to the nasty Ninevites? Unless he was trying to warn them about something. 
And why would God warn them unless he wanted to give them a chance to change? Jonah was worried that they might actually believe God's message. They might stop disobeying him. They might ask him for forgiveness. And Jonah knew that God would actually forgive them. Can you believe it? And that's the last thing Jonah wanted. He decided there was no way he could let the nasty people like that receive forgiveness. So instead of going to Nineveh, he ran. He bought a ticket for a ship going as far away as he could get, and he climbed aboard. He, he uh, went down to, the, to Joppa, down onto the ship. As the ship pulled out of the harbor, Jonah felt a relief that at least now the nasty Ninevites will get what they deserve. And he went down into the stern of the boat and laid his head on the pillow with those thoughts of Nineveh's destruction dancing in his head as he drifted off. But when the sailors burst into the bedroom and woke him with their panicked shouts, he knew that he'd been caught. He knew that the Lord wasn't going to let him get away that easily. And so he had done everything that the Lord said not to do, and he hadn't done anything that the Lord said to do. And he knew. He realized that his sin deserved punishment too. It was only just so the storm was punishment. The waves, the wind, it was punishment, and he deserved it. But the sailors, they didn't deserve it. And so he, he told them, throw me overboard. And they threw him overboard. He sank down, 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 and they were saved. But as Jonah plunged into the icy waters, or maybe not icy in the Mediterranean, but the waters fully expecting to drown for his sin... He soon found out that God had other plans. Chapter 1 ends with that big surprise. Verse 17, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now that is a surprising twist to the story. But I think that many people are surprised by the wrong thing in this twist. See, many people fixate on the idea of a great fish swallowing a person, and the person surviving for three days and three nights. And some have insisted that there are no creatures known in the Mediterranean that could swallow a, a, an adult man and keep him alive for that long. And so they see this as one more fishy tale in the Bible that is full of fishy tales. But others, they want to defend the truth of the Bible, so they search high and low for stories of people being swallowed by whales or, or by other sea creatures and surviving to tell the tale, and there are some stories that may or may not be true. It's hard to say. There's some dispute. And I think that if we fixate on the fish, whether we're skeptical or credulous, we miss the real surprise of verse 17. The real surprise uh, is not the fish. If God created and sustains the entire universe by the power of his word, can he send a fish? Yes. Can that fish swallow a man and keep him alive inside for three days and three nights? Yes. If the God of the Bible is uh, the God at work. The claim isn't that it happened all the time. It's that it happened once by his direct intervention. And it shouldn't be surprising 
that God could do that. What I think Jonah does find surprising, and what I think we as uh, readers are supposed to find surprising, is not the fish, but the mercy of God to Jonah. Now, the fish is the means that God uses to show mercy to Jonah. Rather than giving him what he deserves, what his sins deserve, by drowning him in the water as he tries to flee, the Lord saves him. And as scary as it must have been, as scary as it must have seemed, the fish was actually evidence of God's outrageous compassion. That's what this, this whole book of Jonah is about, the outrageous compassion of God. And in Jonah 2, through this poetic retelling of his story of these three days, the story goes from a narrative to a song. And we go down even deeper than the belly of the fish. We go into Jonah's internal state, his emotions, his spiritual state. And in this chapter, we see that Jonah learned at least two things. Uh, the first is that God's judgment against sin is terrifying. Throughout the whole book, we see that uh, over and over again, God is in control of everything that happens. So he sends this great storm. He points the sailors to Jonah by their use of lots. Those were like uh, dice of some sort. Uh, and, and they discovered that Jonah was the reason for the storm. He calms the storm just after Jonah's thrown into the water. And now from the, uh, the deep beneath the waters, Jonah knows that God is in control of this too. Verse 3, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled about me, all your waves and breakers swept over me. You hurled me. These are your waves. And so the same truth that brings us real comfort when we know God's love for us should cause real fear when we're running away from him, when we're rebelling against him. God is in control. Jonah knew that the Lord was in control and it terrified him. Your waves. After all, he had been running He'd done everything in his power to reject God. And so Jonah rightly understood that he was under judgment. And this was the punishment he knew he deserved. The imagery is graphic. Verses 5 and 6. Uh, verse 5, the waters engulfing him. The, the seaweed wrapping around his head, dragging him down. Verse 6, falling down to the, the very roots of the mountains. As deep as uh, the roots of the mountains. The sensation of being locked in a watery grave, barred in forever. This is a just condemnation. Back in chapter 1, God said, go up to Nineveh. Jonah went down to Joppa, down to the boat, down to the stern of the boat. And so in a sense, God hands him over to his sin. Exactly as Romans 1.24 tells us that God sometimes does to those who persistently rebel against him. Therefore, God gave him over to the sinful desires of his heart, to paraphrase Paul. You want to flee down, Jonah? Have it your way. Continue down the same path. Go down to the depths of the sea. And ultimately, Jonah knows that this 
is the wages of his sin. It's the, the paycheck for what he's done. It's death. But it isn't simply the physical punishment that scares him. It's the spiritual reality as well. Verse 4. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Now, he had run away uh, and no longer felt close to God. He no longer felt God's love upon him. Rather than being a child of God, he felt himself to be an enemy of God. And being punished by a father is very different from being punished by an enemy, isn't it? When a father punishes, it is, or, or at least it should be, for the good of the child. When an enemy punishes, it's to destroy. However scared Jonah was of drowning, he was far more scared that he had made himself God's enemy. A little over two weeks ago, Catherine heard that her 94-year-old grandmother had fallen ill, seriously ill, was beginning to fade quickly. It looks like she has um, a liver cancer. Uh, that's what the, the scans suggest, but at her advanced age, there's no curative treatment that's going to be pursued for her. And we were planning to go on holiday to the UK in a few weeks' time anyway, and so Catherine left a, a bit over a week ago now to be with her, with Josiah. Um, so that they could spend time together before her grandmother's death. Now, neither Catherine's grandmother nor any of the members of her family, any of the other members, are Christians. They're lovely people. They've been very good to us, and, and we love them very much. But so far, they reject the Lord. And that is one of the key reasons that Catherine went uh, she dropped the things that she was planning to do in order to go and to be with her grandmother and give one last chance to, to witness to her. Because let me tell you, as they are brought face to face with the grim reality of suffering and death, they are utterly without hope. They're without hope. Well, maybe if she was younger, if she was healthier, there would be some vague hope that her treatment might extend her life and, and they could, you know, focus on that. Uh, they've done that in the past. We've all done that in the past. Then they could maybe have put it off for a few more years. And in reality, that kind of hope is a bit like Jonah hoping that he can hold his breath for a few minutes longer as he plunges down, down, down. It only delays the inevitable hopelessness of death apart from God. But now when, when the paycheck for sin is truly within uh, their hands, the real terror of death without the hope of redemption is felt. Without the hope of eternal life, it's felt. Whatever a person might say they believe, the deep emotional and spiritual darkness that death brings is just as Jonah describes. Please would you pray for Catherine and for me as I go in a few weeks' time that we might be able to bring the light of hope to her family. That is the terror that Jonah felt. It was an important lesson for him to learn. 
because it was exactly the situation that the nasty Ninevites were in. They lived like God's enemy. They rejected his word, and so they faced his coming punishment. It must have felt very different for Jonah to be on the same side as the nasty Ninevites. It must have felt very different. And wouldn't you know it, suddenly his attitude towards God's forgiveness changes. And that's the second and major emphasis of this chapter. That God's rescue for sinners is available. As Jonah sank into the sea, he felt the, the full weight of God's judgment, and he cried out in fear. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. We aren't told exactly what he said. I reckon it couldn't have been much more than a sort of uh, bubbling up, Lord, help me. Just a, a desperation. And perhaps, to his great surprise, the Lord did help him. And that is in this most unusual way of the fish. And the way Jonah talks about it, though, it, it's like being brought from death into life. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. His rebellion, his rejection of God, that had been planned, it had been sustained, he had done everything in order to pursue his rebellion, and now his sudden cry for help, it was a kind of guttural, instinctive, and yet, as soon as he called to the Lord for help, the Lord rescued. Even though he had been made by his own actions, an enemy of God, God was ready to save him as soon as he asked for mercy. And from inside the fish, Jonah must have realized with great relief, not only was he not going to drown, but the Lord wasn't treating him like an enemy anymore. He was being scooped up. He was being saved like a, a child by his father. It was just what he feared would happen to the Ninevites, and yet... When nasty Jonah was facing the punishment, he was perfectly happy to be forgiven. And you know what? That is exactly what the Lord is like today. He is ready to forgive anyone who calls to him for help. And that's what we desperately want Catherine's grandmother to know after 94 years of running away. That's what I desperately want all my friends and relatives and acquaintances and all of you to know that God is ready to forgive. Even when we face the terror of death, the hope of life is held out to us. That's why we don't despair in the way that the world despairs as we sink down, down, down. No matter how long we've been running from him, no matter how uh, nasty that we've been or how much punishment we deserve, God will forgive us. God will rescue us from punishment if we call out for help. How can we be sure? 
How can we be sure that that is what God is still like? Well, because at just the right time, when we were still enemies of God, deserving his punishment, the Lord sent another man to rescue, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Jonah was thrown into the sea and faced his own death to rescue uh, the sailors, the Lord Jesus was thrown to the executioners and faced his death to rescue us. The difference, of course, is that Jonah deserved his punishment, and the Lord Jesus didn't. He didn't deserve, but out of love, so that he could rescue me and you and anyone else that turns to him. And just like Jonah, when we really experience the love of God, his forgiveness, his rescuing power for ourselves, when we, when we know that, it changes our lives. It must do. It must make us thankful. That's what Jonah says in, in verse 8. He, he sees what God has done to him, and he says, Those who cling to worthless idols, they turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. God's punishment against sin is terrifying, so we've got to stop living like God's enemies. God's rescue for sinners is available. We just need to cry out instinctively, and he will rescue. Let's live lives that show that we are thankful to God, just like the sailors on the boat did, just like Jonah vowed to do from the belly of the fish, because salvation still comes from the Lord. It's still held out. It's still rescuing and surprising, outrageous, compassionate ways. Let's pray. Father, we pray for all those who do not yet know you as a father, but only as a judge. We pray that um, you might convict and convince them of their sin and that they might cry out and ask for mercy. We pray that for uh, Audrey. We, We pray that for all those known to each one of us who persist in rejecting you. We pray that they would relent and turn to you. And we pray that you might grant them uh, life in which to serve you, health with which to serve you. And please help us uh, not to look down, to condemn, to resist your compassion, your mercy, but to hold it out to others. Salvation comes from you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.